Heavenly Father, we come again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you have kept us again in good health, Lord, in perfect peace. I'm asking, Lord, for those who couldn't make it tonight, Lord, I'm asking that you bless them. And I'm asking that you stay with them, Lord, and keep them in the spirit, that they might understand the severity behind staying in the spirit, Lord, so that they won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord, for anyone here that needs prayer, for anyone here, Lord, who's suffering pain and hurt in his life, for anyone who's going through anything, Lord, that that they have given up on life, that life can't tackle, Lord. I'm asking that you reveal yourself to them that they may see and they may know. And I'm asking, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you send the Holy Ghost. I'm asking that the Holy Ghost falls mightily right now, Lord, upon us. And I'm asking in your name, Lord, that you teach us this lesson. I'm asking that you teach us your words. I'm asking that we not cut it, we not um, utter anything that does not come from you, Lord. And I'm just asking, Lord, over Carlin's friend, Lord, and his grandfather. I'm asking, Lord, that you bless them. I'm asking that you look out for them. I'm asking if there's a spirit of suicide, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I bind it. I'm asking, Lord, if there's anything that is attacking the health of the believer, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that it be bound. Lord, for this lesson tonight, I believe that you gave us new understanding, but we have to open our ears and our hearts to understanding what's going on. What's happening behind the veil, Lord? Why is it important that we pray? Why is it important that we fast? Why is it important, Lord, that we wear our full armor? Because the enemy, Lord, is doing things behind the scenes that only you understand. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit that is anti-Christ in the name of Jesus, Lord, I bind it right now. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that everything goes well according to your will. Lord, let your fear govern this ministry, Lord. Give us new understanding. Give us ways to see, Lord, that the time is now that we have to draw closer to you, Lord, more than ever. For when the enemy makes his move, Lord, he is never going to do it with an alarm. He's going to sneak in, Lord, privily and make his attack. So this is why, Lord, we were always told to be instant in season and out of season, Lord. Let your will be done. Let your words be heard to the eyes of those who can't see, to the ears of those who can't hear. Empower every vessel, Lord, and give us nourishment upon your word that we may understand what the hour of temptation is all about. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy of all praises. Lord, do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so tonight's study is going to be on the hour of temptation. You know, I just feel like the Lord had led me to this particular study because something happens to us as we go through our spiritual walk, and there's things that we tend to do that 
I don't think we necessarily get it. And I don't think that many Christians have figured out what's happening at this time. And this is what the hour of temptation is about. Because unless we are led by the Spirit or we have the discernment that the Lord gives us that we may see things before they come, that you may not even realize I'm in an hour of temptation. I'll give you a classic example because the video we're going to hear tonight briefly, you know, a little bit, is going to shed light on it. But have you ever just prayed, you know, just decided to get down on your knees and pray, and all of a sudden the phone is ringing? Mm -hmm. I mean, out of control. People that no one called you all day until you got on your knees to pray. But we're going to find out there's a reason behind that. Whenever it is that we're seeking the Lord and we're trying to get stronger in Him, and, you know... All of a sudden, temptation just comes out of nowhere. Even when you read your Bible and you get sleepy, or the desire to sleep overrides spending time with the Lord, we're going to find that this hour of temptation is what Jesus had always told us that we should not fall into to understand what that is about. You know, this would have done Adam and Eve some good had they known what this temptation is all about because... They never believed that they were going to be tested. Everything was sweet with them in the garden. And this can happen to every Christian who's a believer. You can be in the world and you can be feeling so good with God. And you can feel like you're totally protected. And we go out and we live our lives. But all it takes is for a second for us to not recognize we have an enemy. To not recognize that we are in the wilderness trying to figure things out. And that the hour of temptation waits upon us. So this is something that we need to know because this is going to attack us in our emotions. It's going to, it's going to attack us spiritually and, and physically. It's going to have all sorts of effects concerning this. So we need to know what this is. I'll give you a classic example of my hour of temptation. You guys remember when I lost my job a few months ago, you know, and it was up to me to decide to continue in doing what the Lord wants or, or just do what I'm doing, you know, but the enemy came and all he gave me was a shift concerning the times that I would be here doing this. So I had to wait it out. I had to really, it was tempting. Some offered me decent money, you know, offered me a chance to, you know, have more. But then I'm like, wait a minute, this is what I'm committed to. This is what I want to do. And I was like, man, if this ship is going to sink, then let it sink. But one thing I'm not going to do is fall off course with the Lord. Right. And, you know, he blessed me. Amen. It took a month, but Amen. he took care of everything that was necessary and, and got the job done. Now it's like it never happened. Now I have a whole Amen. summer off with pay that I can actually go and minister. Why? Because I waited on the Lord. That's right. And that's what's so important about his will for us. It's always Amen. going to bring you closer to him and not farther apart. So I mean, not farther away. So uh, let's get started. Let's go to uh, let's go to Luke twenty-two, and we'll start at verse fourteen. But man, that hour of temptation—it is as slippery as the serpent that delivers it. Luke twenty-two, Luke twenty-two, and verse fourteen. Luke twenty-two. telling you, if we're not aware of these things, the devil can even use you against your brother. Don't think that he can't. You know, we have to know when something is going on. And hopefully tonight with this study mm -hmm. that we are going to pinpoint the enemy. 
Because Paul says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. The moment we get that and we totally understand it, Amen. man, it's like the devil can't hide anything from you. Right. From Amen. what I, from what he has shown me the last few days, man, I've been on my knees in prayer with a purpose. Not just praying, but I mean actually praying, Lord. I mean, there, there's a reason why we got to stay down in prayer. We're going to get into all that. Amen. So let's get started. So Luke 22 and verse 14, and it says, And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof, until I until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So this is Jesus, obviously, this is the last supper he's having with his disciples, and he's, you know, letting them know many things before he suffers persecution. All right, verse 17, and it says, He took the cup and gave thanks and said, This cup and divide it among you. Take this cup and divide it among you. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me uh, is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goeth, and is determined, as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. So Jesus mm-hmm. knew right then and there that mm-hmm. Judas Iscariot was there to betray him, but he he was still Jesus. He still supped with them, he still taught them, he still kept himself under control. Now, mm-hmm. we can all imagine eating with someone that is out to betray you, and how you're able to keep your emotions the same and go forward with what you're called to do. This is what you call living in the spirit. You know, verse 23. And then began to inquire among themselves uh, which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. But he that uh, is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that, um, that doth serve. Okay, so this is making clear that no one is a lord over God's inheritance. I don't care who's teaching. I don't care what anyone's doing. What What we got to recognize is, is that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter what your title is. We are all on the same plane before the Lord. Now, the Lord can put his anointing, and he can appoint us to different places in office and in the ministry. But one thing I am is no better than anyone else, and neither is any pastor out there. We are all brothers and sisters. And and the Lord here is saying, if you want to be chiefest, then do the most service. Go and serve. Go beneath your brother and help lift him up. Go and encourage your brother, calling and everything else. And hey, man, have you gotten into the word? Hey, you coming tonight? What's going on? Let me pray for you. This is this is what the Lord wants, and this is why any time He had ever chosen someone to be in office, especially of a bishop, He had always gone after the shepherds, like we did that teaching on the heart of a shepherd. He had Amen. always gone after those that were that Amen. was a protector and knew how to nurture the flock. 
Amen. So his will could be done. And that is that is the nature of Jesus. Verse 27, And whether is greater he that sitteth at me or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at me, but I am among you as he that serveth. So this makes clear, even when we go to Philippians 2, it talks about the fact that Jesus Christ, you know, he could have considered himself equal with God, but yet he came as a servant and made himself of no reputation so that way he could teach us the way back to Christ. I mean, back to the Father. So it says, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at the, at the table um, in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So there was a special place for the people who served the Lord, who wanted to go his way and do what he'd asked them to do. They had forsaken everything to walk with Jesus. Now, Jesus is in his hour of temptation. He's going through it, but the people that are going through with him aren't really quite there yet. Okay, so this is what we want to make clear concerning this. And then it says, where am I? Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you uh, that, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So the Lord made it very clear to him that he wanted him to be, you know, when you're converted and you've got it together, that you are to go out and do exactly what I have done. Okay, so there's no excuse for anybody that believes that, you know, he only talked to the apostles or we're not too sure if this is what the Lord wants us to do. A lot of the things that keep us from going forward in the Lord is fear. Mm -hmm. Okay, because the Lord had always called us to do his will. All right, so we're going to go further. And it says, and he said unto them, Lord, uh, to whom the, to whom, I mean, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou, um, thou shalt thrice, like three times, deny that thou uh, knowest me. And he said unto them, when I sent you uh, without purse and script and shoes, lack ye anything? And they said nothing. So the Lord had taken care of them as they were out doing his will. Okay, so the Lord is pretty much, if he's with you, there is nothing that you need to lack or we need to worry about. He is complete in himself and all that we will desire, all that we should desire and have. So then it says in verse 36, Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you, that this that is written must be must yet be accomplished in me. And he that reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. So what he's trying to tell them is he wasn't talking about swords in particular. He was talking about selling himself to have that which is necessary to serve the Lord. Almost like a fresh anointing. Almost like having that place with him that you will have what is necessary to go to battle with in serving him. Verse 39. And he came out and went as uh, he won't 
to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Okay, so the reason why um, I'm bringing this up is because Jesus was trying to tell them, guys, you know, there's a lot of things you don't understand. Most of you are brave because you've seen me do works. But this is the hour of my vulnerability. This is the time where I'm laying myself down, even though they didn't understand this. But he knew that unless they stayed within the confines of what he wanted, that they would go astray. And this is something that we have to recognize in ourselves. I'm telling you, I just got finished telling a friend tonight that the devil is so subtle in making us believe that we are in and we can be out the whole time. Even if we are serving the Lord, let's just say it's a percentage and we're at the 80% level with the Lord. Now, you know, we can feel like, man, you know, I'm in there. I'm with the Lord. You can drop down to 75% and that's enough for the devil to go and make his move against you. So we can't take our walks for granted and start believing like, I'm good. Because you got to see, as you're getting built up in the Lord, the devil is building up more distractions, more temptations, more fights against you to meet you on your level. This happened to a couple of brothers. We were in, um, we were at work one day and we were praying. You know, and we started out three. Then after a while, we had like seven or eight people in there praying. And, you know, it felt so good. But see, we didn't stay up with it or they didn't stay up in it with us. Mm -hmm. So what happened was when we noticed we were praying as a group, man, it seemed like there was peace in there. And it was just God's Mm. peace all over and everything was working fine. Mm -hmm. Then the group went down to five and then down to three. Mm. And what ended up happening was we needed more prayer to go up against the force that the devil Mm -hmm. had built against us. Mm -hmm. Because as we're ramping up our forces, he's ramping up his. And that's one thing we have to understand about the enemy. The enemy does not take us for granted. Mm -hmm. All right, how's it going? The enemy does not take us for granted. The one thing he will do is as you're building up, so will he. So it is important that we become instant and consistent so that we do not fall into a snare of the devil Mm -hmm. because he will use it on you. Believe me when I tell you. So we're at verse 41 and it says, and he was withdrawn um, from them about the the stones cast Hmm. and kneeled down and prayed saying, Father, if if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in an agony, and prayed more earnestly, and Mm. his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Mm. Now, we know that Jesus was in great distress, but as you notice here, in his hour of temptation, the angel didn't come to, you know, pull him out of it. The angel strengthened him to go further with what the Father's will was. So this is what well, we got to make clear. What were you going to say, James? Exactly. He's going he's mm-hmm. to put that armor on you. Now we can go. Amen. Verse 45. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping uh, for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest the... Ap- unless ye enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesse to kiss him. 
And Jesus said unto him, Judas, well, we don't need to go there. Well, we know what happens next. And we know that the Lord amen. Um, takes us away from, I mean, the Lord uh, was being uh, betrayed here. So mm -hmm. the point that we're making is, is that Jesus told them, unless they pray, that they would fall into temptation. Now, you know that amen. they all ran away from the Lord and they did not do what the Lord had called them to do. And this is why the Lord tells us, or the Bible says, pray without ceasing to pray constantly. And like I said, what he revealed Amen. that we're going to get into in a little bit, man, this video, I had two choices. When I first heard it, I looked at it like this could be new age garbage. You know, this could be something that is not really true because of the stuff that mm -hmm. they're mentioning. But the Lord told me, no, you need to pay attention to this. And as I found every little situation in this video we're about to hear is accurate with scripture. How, how your prayers can really be hindered uh, upon the things that we do. Well, you know how we can pray and not believe or not stay under it enough. Mm -hmm. And then you find the enemy doing all sorts of things just to stop them. Well, so let's move on. I want to go to um, one other place and then we'll uh, get right take into your time. it. Take your time. But it's Luke 4 and uh, verse 1. Let's Amen. go there real quick. Amen. Yeah, I find it um, sometimes when... People who are in the faith, they become weak. And then when they're strengthened, their, their faith is strengthened. If you notice, um, whether people believe it or not, if you have, if people don't act, if they, if you have faith, you will automatically just do it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you believe, your actions will, it will just be done, like automatically. It's so true. It's like you won't even think twice Amen. about it because your hope that's in the Lord will be there yeah. completely. Amen. And, and I'm telling you, this hour of temptation, if we don't get past it, Man, the enemy has got a big surprise for us. In many cases, we're going to feel like we're close to the Lord and we're going to find out we're not. Or we're not as close as we should be at that time. Because as we walk with the Lord, the devil is monitoring us. I'm telling you, he's watching everything you do. And as you get stronger with the Lord, oh, okay, he's speaking in tongues now. Right. Right now. Oh, he's out yeah. there ministering. Okay, so this is how I'm going to handle this. I'm going to move from principalities unto powers to place on him because I can tell he's starting to break through something. So that's why when the enemy ramps himself up, we have to make sure that we are consistent with the Lord. All right, so we're going to start at Luke 4. We're going to Luke 4 and 1. We all know this scripture, but it's good to go over because sometimes, man, the devil can really beat on us and work on us to the point to where we start to feel weak and we just need that spiritual charge, you know, like to get our batteries going again. That's when you know when you've been away from the, um, the spirit a while because it just seems like, man, I just can't endure. Like for me, I couldn't sleep these last um, last week and I'm like, man, what's going on? But I think it's because I was spending more time in doing the work of the ministry and not seek, not going into my battery source, which is the Lord, and fellowship, and reading the word with him. And, and you're going to find that ministry work is not the same as relationship. Those are two separate places. You, you cling to the life source of Jesus Christ so you can go out and do the work of the ministry. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you guys what happened to me. I mean, there were a few weeks here. I don't know if anybody had even picked it up or noticed, but I started feeling like maybe about a month ago, like, man, my, it was just dry. I felt really dry. I felt like I was just pulling out information, but I felt like the spirit wasn't really with me. 
And the Lord was letting me know, it's because you're not spending enough time with me. You're going into this Bible, pulling out studies and information. But what about food? Mm -hmm. What about food for you? Because you can't go on your own strength. You can't go on, oh, okay, I got this and I'm ready. That is not the same thing as diving into his word and being spiritually fed with him. Yeah. It's, it's in, um, he does say that it, it's him that gets the increase. So as mm -hmm. much as we study, we can study all day long and not get anything from it. But it's and him that decrease. Exactly. Increase. And even how you're studying. Mm -hmm. Studying to be accepted. That's, that's, that's falling into temptation. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, studying for strife. Oh, I got something. I'm going to show this person this and that. The Lord ain't even with that. You're using the word deceitfully. So this is why we got to be careful how we dive into this word. And it needs to be spiritual food for us so that we won't fall. Luke 4 and 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned uh, from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days uh, tempted of the devil. And, and in those days... He did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward he hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this that these command this stone that it be made bread. Now one quick point. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was out there fasting. The devil knew he was hungry. Amen. What did he try and tempt him with? Food, just to disobey the Lord. This is how the enemy works on us. He know that see, along with God knowing your desires, the devil knows your desires. So this is why we have to question everything, whether it be of Christ or not. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that but by every word of God. So we understand that Jesus is like, Well, you know what? The Lord wants me to do this. This is my calling. This is what I'm going to do. So you can't tempt this flesh because I'm spirit to spirit with the Lord, with my dad, with my Amen. father, you know. Five, and the devil taking him up into a high mountain, shewed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and, whoms, and, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will um, worship me, all will be thine. And, you know, in many cases, you know, I, I've been talking to people lately about just life, you know, and dealing Amen. with situations. And one thing you hear from people that are world conscious is me, my, and I. Mm -hmm. No matter what you tell them, no matter what you talk about. And, and I even caught myself doing this sometimes. But you find yourself, other than doing what the Lord wants, we start, well, I. Anytime Amen. you start with that, that's Amen. not God's will. Now, I'm not saying the Lord can't lead us to do things. Amen. But anytime we become centrally focused, we disconnect from the tree of life. Yeah. Explain it, Pastor. You know, so this is what he's talking about. And then he tried to touch Jesus in his, you know, well, I will give thee glory. So he promised Jesus to be someone in this physical carnal world. So what's the message? He was tempting the flesh of Jesus Christ. Right. And he was trying to get Jesus to conform to this world. Mm -hmm. And this is what really has us bound in many ways today. The devil offered him, he said in a moment in time, in all the kingdoms of the world. So that means that from the kingdoms that were from against Israel, all the way up until this present age, the devil offered Jesus Christ. In other words, he was saying that I own all of this. And this is why the Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of our minds that we become one with Jesus Christ. So that's what he's talking about here. And he's talking about the fact that, you know, the devil wouldn't offer him something that he didn't control. So obviously the devil owned this. And this is why, you know, as I go further in my walk, I'm looking to be taken away from these things more and more instead of to them. Because these things only belong to him. Well, you know, I don't understand. He's playing a little more. He is. The devil is totally called well, the God of this world. Pastor, you need to play a little more. Or what is it that you don't understand? What you just said. I'm talking about being one with Jesus Christ. The things that okay. distract us from being close to Jesus are the temptations and the desires of this world. Those are the things that keep us from serving the Lord. When we sin, we usually go into hours of temptation where we have entertained thoughts and things have come to us and we are enticed by them and we are drawn away from Jesus. So when the Bible talks about us dying out to self or we having to die to this world, it means that there is nothing in this world that can tempt us because Jesus Christ is fully grown in us. When Jesus came into this world, he didn't shop at Walmart, okay? He didn't go <laughs> on, on company <laughs> family yeah, picnics. He didn't do a lot of things that people were doing. What are you doing. trying to say, Pastor? Just get well, I was trying, but I'm saying, man, I'm trying to answer you, your question, but I'm also saying, too, that we have to learn what it is to walk with Jesus and to forsake the world. I don't understand. Because, How can I walk with Jesus? Well, it's about Jesus Christ being formed in you. That's what it's about. I am a child of God. Right. It's if like, Jesus Christ is formed in us, then we can walk as the Spirit wills. And that's what it's about. How can we do that? Well, let's listen. Maybe the Lord will answer it for us, you know, during the study. Amen. All right. So anyway, he said, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So right away, Jesus didn't want anything out of the world. Jesus couldn't be tempted with food when he knew that he was coming to kill the flesh. Okay, so those were two things that he did. He had forsaken the lust of the flesh and the, and the pride of life. And see, this is what keeps us in Satan's world is pride. How much money do I have as opposed to my neighbor? What is it that I want to be in this life that Jesus Christ could care less about? And I'm only being realistic with everybody here. Jesus would not care if you were 15 years old got full of the Holy Ghost, and went out and preached the gospel. That is what he's most concerned about. Because if we were in this world just playing in it, how do you know your heart will stay with Jesus? How do you know there isn't something that Satan has that will tempt you to go and follow the enemy? And I've seen this happen where people have gone into colleges and done all these things, and they got built up only to, only to be thrown off course. I mean, everybody's seen that, where you just... Huh, I wonder, well, Jesus is just a knockoff from blah, blah, blah. They get pride in themselves at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Now you feel like you know something. And you see, the right old here. way that my family was into. Church is tomorrow. The old way that my family was into, you know, it's one of those things that I'm thinking, well, well, they were Baptists. They don't know. They only knew one side of things. But now I know the whole spectrum of everything. So. I can draw my conclusion as to what I believe is truth. And this is how people are indoctrinated. So we have to be careful to not let the pride of life come upon us. It's, it's almost as if, like, because I've seen people who has it naturally in them, like, to serve God. Like, it'll just come out without hesitation where you can just talk to somebody about Christ. 
and it would just come out naturally, and you, and you can commune with them. But that moment where they go into schooling, it's like they lose it. You know, they they get like this worldly knowledge, and then afterwards, it's not the same anymore. It's not that that pure innocence as it was before, like that natural Christ uh, food that will come out. What will come out is like I don't understand. You know, it's it's, it's different. It's completely different. Just as a comparison. Versus no, he's right. Child, he's right. What he say? He's right. As, we, as when you're a child, it's it's almost as if it's in you. But the moment you go to school, it's I agree. Different. You know, you go to college and you, you experience that worldly knowledge. Totally, because if the de- that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to convince us that being someone here is greater than serving the living God. Mm-hmm. And this is why we have to always cling to Him, no matter what we do. And he brought him to mm-hmm. Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle in the temple. And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, uh, to keep thee, and um, in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So the last one was the pride of life. The one before that was the lust of the flesh. Because, you know, the lust of the eyes. You see things in this world and you want them. So when you see people driving Mercedes and they got this and they got great big houses. I got it. That's awesome, man. But, you know, it's like when you got big houses and everything like that. We get sold on a thing that is called the American dream. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the word of God, you know, or anything wrong with having some good things in life. But what we've got to understand is... You are being sold something as reality. And this is what people go forward with. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm talking about when people are, um, you know, when when they're told on TV and through everything else that this is what you call successful, people have a way of following that and not going with what the Lord says to do. I see what you're saying. Okay? Mm -hmm. So that's why we can be tempted very early in life. We see stars out there. Is something wrong for that, though? Absolutely, it can be because you can be drawn away from Jesus. The gifts that the Lord give us will Jesus, only bring us closer money, to Him. What's that, Pastor? At least you're making money, though. Like uh, the Kardashians, I'm not making a dime for this. Like Kardashians, I mean, you know, I mean, I hate to bully you like that. Uh, 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 who was it, Jay Z? Uh, you know, with uh, you know, uh, the, the thick girl. Uh, yeah, almost even ladies, yeah, Beyonce. Yeah. And making all that money, you know, celebrities. You can do all that, man. Kanye West. You well, see, that's why the Lord tells us about being extracted from the world, because we have to examine the fruit behind what these people are selling. I don't understand Now, you passion. can see the riches. All right, I'm going to explain. You can see the riches in everything that these people have that makes it tempting. But, you know, how many women are, are out there dressing and forgetting about their morals trying to be Beyonce today? in the backseat of a limousine taking care of her man. You know, that stuff is not of God. I agree with you on that. Right. And then Jay-Z, you got a lot of people trying to be, you know, rappers and everything else. Okay, yeah. They're in sin, man, you know. So those things are not of Jesus Christ. They're of the wrong spirit, one, and two, it's all about money. All right, so Jesus said that he he should not tempt the Lord thy God. So the devil tried to come at Jesus in three different ways. And I know today we don't have the devil in our faces, you know, telling us in the spirit like he's telling Jesus. But in some ways he is. He's doing it through music. He's doing it through 
like like we said, what world success is. Yeah. You know, and, and the biggest thing I could use as an example that helped to increase my faith was what happened to me. And that's why we have to be a testimony of all men because when I lost my job, I had no money coming in. But I believed God's word and he supplied. He gave me something better than what I thought I would have. But it all comes down to believing him. Now, we just all read this. And I want to ask everybody here, do you believe this? I know that this story is awesome, okay? And I know that it just sounds like, man, Jesus really, he took it on. And, you know, he, he knocked everything out the way. But see, Jesus wants followers after himself. So we have to ask ourselves, do we believe this? How much do you believe if you didn't do certain things that Jesus Christ wouldn't take care of you? This is what we have to solve. This is what we need in faith to understand what he's saying. Because as long as the enemy feels like you need him, there will be something that he'll pull from. Now, yeah, I'm currently working and doing things too, but the overall goal is to be moved away from this. This is just a launch pad to get the resources that I feel are necessary to further along this ministry. You know? So that's what it's really about as far as serving him. We cannot let Jesus Christ be on the outside of things. We have to be able to keep him in the midst. And the closer we draw to him, the more he will separate us from. All right? There's nothing wrong with having a better life. The Lord can supply anything that we need, but he has to be first. All right? So anyways, you know, he was talking about the temptation and things that he suffered here. So... You know, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip because <laughs> I think that it's, it's either now or never. I think I should play it. And you guys are going to find this interesting. I know that I did. And I had to really question or not whether I believed it, but I found scriptural basis for all of it. Okay, so let's just go here real quick. Yeah, but some of the things that we do also, um, like you said, it's nothing wrong with it because... You know, we have almost like it's like we have to do it. Yet it's it's the way of God um, bringing us to these things to provide for us. So as long as we don't get attached, I think that's the issue. Where um, if we become possessive of these things, these things can possess us, and that's the issue. Exactly. If, if, if and if we, we stay we following the Lord, He is going to deliver us from these things. It's how we serve where we are. Are we being faithful with what he's given us? That's what's more important because the Lord's grace can come upon us and say, oh yeah, I know what you're doing for me here. So let's just work this out. But I am eventually going to take you from it. But it's all about what we're doing with what he wants us to have. All right, so let's play this clip real quick.
when we pray. Now, this man was born after his parents dedicated themselves to Lucifer. When he was still in the womb, they made so many rituals dedicating him to serve Lucifer. When he was four years old, he began to exercise his spiritual power, and his parents began fearing him. And when he was six years old, his father surrendered him to the witches to go and be trained. And by ten years, he was doing great things in the kingdom of the devil. And he was feared by the normal witches. Normal witches? He was still a young boy, but he was so terrible in the things he did. Mm -hmm. He grew up to be a young man in his twenties with so much bloodshed on his hands. Mm. Killed at will. He had the ability to go outside of his body through transcendental meditation. He could levitate. Sometimes his body would lift off the ground and stay in the air. And sometimes he could go into a trance and come out of his body. His body would remain behind and he would go out into the world. This is called astro-traveling. And this guy was used by Satan to destroy so many churches, to break down the churches, and to destroy many pastors. One day, he was assigned to destroy a church that was full of prayer. There were so many divisions in this church and many confusions, and he began to work on the attack of this church. But at that time, the pastor called a fast for the whole church. As the church began to fast, there was a lot of repentance and a lot of reconciliation. And the people came together and they began to pray for the work of the Lord in their midst. And they continued interceding and crying to God to have mercy and intervene in their lives. As the days went by, this man was coming again and again with demon spirits against this church. But there was a word of prophecy that came telling the Christians to rise up and wage warfare against the powers of darkness that were attacking the church. So one day, this man leaves his body in his room and goes astro-traveling. He leads a mighty force of demonic spirits against this church. Now, now this is his testimony. His spirit was moving in the air over the church, trying to attack it, but there was a covering of light over the church. And suddenly, there was an army of angels that attacked them, and there was fighting in the air. All the demons fled, but he was arrested by the angels. Yes, arrested by the angels. He saw himself being held by about six angels and they brought him through the roof of the church down before the church altar there he was and the people were praying they were deep in prayer in the spiritual warfare binding and breaking and casting out the pastor was on the platform leading the prayers and the warfare the spirit of the Lord spoke to the pastor the yoke has been broken. 
and the victim is there before you. Happen through deliverance. As the pastor opened his eyes, he saw this young man collapse there. His body was with him. He was in his body. The young man says he doesn't know how his body joined him. He left it back in his house. But there he was in his body. And he didn't know how he entered, except the angels had carried him through the roof. Mm. Now, these things are difficult to believe. Well, But the pastor silenced the church and told the church what the Lord had told him. And asked the young man, who are you? The young man was trembling as the demons began coming out of him. So they prayed for deliverance. And afterwards, he began to share his life. This young man has now come to the Lord and is an evangelist preaching the gospel. He is being used by the Lord mightily in setting other people free by deliverance. Now, it was difficult for me to believe this story. So, one night, I went to a dinner. And the reason I went to the dinner is that someone told me that this young man was going to be there. And I was so curious to see him and to see if his story was true. So, at the dinner, this man gave his testimony. He talked about many things. Sometimes he cried because of the things he did. He shared how he led expositions into the air. He would go with other satanic agents and lots of demon spirits into the air. It was like a shift, and you got to go work on your shift. So he had a set time for him to go out and wage war in the heavenlies. And listen to what he said. He said that in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm, if the land is covered under a blanket of darkness, that blanket is so thick, it's like a rock, and it covers the whole area. And these spirits are able to go on top of this, as well as below this blanket. And from that level, they influence the events on earth. When the evil spirits and human satanic agents leave their ships, they go down on the earth at the points of covenant, even waters or on the land at points of covenant, for refreshing of their spirit. And how do they refresh their spirit? Now listen to this. By sacrifices that people give at the altars. There could be sacrifices in open witchcraft, sacrifices in bloodshed of all types, including abortion, including warfare, and human sacrifices, and animal sacrifices. There could be sacrifices of sexual immorality, where people go into sexual perversion, and all kinds of promiscuity. And these sinful acts actually give strength to these evil powers. And there are many different types of sacrifices. He said that when satanic agents are up in the heavenly realm and the Christians begin to pray on the earth, 
the prayers of the Christians appear to them in three forms. All prayer appears like smoke that rises up to the heavens. Now, some people's prayers, they appear like smoke, and the smoke goes drifting along and disappears in the air. These prayers come from people who have sin in their lives, and they're not willing to deal with it. Their prayers are, are so weak, and they're blown away and disappear in the air. The other type of prayer is also like smoke that rises up until it reaches this rock. But it does not break through the rock. These are usually people who try to purify themselves, but they lack the faith in what they're doing as they pray. They usually ignore the other important aspects that are needed when someone prays. The third type of prayer is like smoke that is filled with fire. As it rises up, it is so hot that when it reaches the rock, the rock begins to melt like wax. It pierces the rock and goes through. Many times, as people begin to pray, their prayer looks like the first type. But as they continue praying, their prayer changes and becomes like the second type of prayer. And as they continue praying, suddenly it ignites into fire. And their prayers become so powerful, they pierce through the rock. Many times, the evil agents would notice that the prayers were changing and becoming very close to the state of fire. Then these agents would communicate with other spirits on the earth, and they would tell them, distract that person from prayer, stop them praying, pull them out. Now many Christians yield to these distractions. They are pressing through, they're repenting, they're allowing the word to check their spirit. Faith is building up. Their prayers are becoming more focused. Then the devil sees their prayers are gaining strength, and the distractions begin. Telephones ring. Sometimes in the middle of very intense prayer, the telephone rings, and you think you can go answer the phone and then come back and continue praying. But when you come back, you go back to the beginning. And that's what the devil wants. Other kinds of distractions come your way. Even if it means touching your body and bringing you some pain somewhere. Even if it means making you hungry and you want to go to the kitchen and fix something to eat. As long as they can get you out of that place, they have defeated you. Pastors, you must teach your people how to pray. Set aside some time, and not just for some casual prayer. They can do that the rest of the day. Once in a day, a Christian should have a time when they are totally focused, wholeheartedly on God, nothing distracting them. And if people persist in this type of prayer, 
and allow themselves to be inspired in the spirit and keep going and keep going something happens in the spirit the fire touches the rock and it melts the rock when the melting begins it is so hot no demon spirit can stand it and no human spirit can stand it either they all flee they all run away then there comes an opening in the spiritual realm and as soon as this comes all this trouble in prayer stops the person who is praying on the ground just feels like prayer is suddenly smooth so enjoyable so powerful and intense and I discovered that at that moment we normally lose conscience of time and other things not that we become disorderly but God takes care of our time it's like you lay down everything and you hook up with God. With prayers going through, from that moment there could be no resistance at all. And the person praying will continue as long as he wants. There's no resistance that can stop him. And after he finishes praying, the hole remains open. And he said that the people, they rise out of that place of prayer and they walk out this open hole moves along with them. They're no longer operating under the blanket. Now they're operating under open heavens. And he said that in that state, the devil cannot do what he wants against them. And the presence of the Lord is like a pillar from heaven resting on their lives. They're protected. And there's so much power inside that pillar that as they move around, the presence touches other people. It discerns what the enemy has done in other people. And as they talk to people, and those people are standing with them, they come inside this pillar. And as long as they stay inside that pillar, all the bondages of the enemy weaken. So when these people who have this spiritual breakthrough share Jesus Christ with sinners. Their resistance is low. It's so easy to bring them through. When they pray for the sick or pray about things, the presence which is there makes all the difference. And this man said that the devil hates such people. And if there are places where prayer is regularly being prayed through like that, the presence comes upon that place and does not leave. So even the people who don't know God, when they come into this place, suddenly all the bondages are weakened. And if someone cared just to minister to them patiently and with love, they can easily be pulled through. Not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of God who is present. And if no one bothers about these people and they come into his presence, they feel convicted and they begin to debate whether to yield or not. But if they're not pulled through, when they walk away from this place, bondages get stronger. And the devil tries his best 
not to allow them to come back into such an environment. Mm. Okay, now you can imagine we're all sitting down looking at this man tell his story. And he was telling us of the things he used to do and what he has seen. Then he told us what they would do to people who have broken through in prayer. He said that they marked such people. They studied these people. They dug up everything they could find about these people so that they knew their weaknesses. And when someone overcomes them in prayer and breaks through, they communicate with other spirits and say, target him with this. And with this, these are his weaknesses. So when this person walks out of the prayer closet, the spirit of prayer is upon him. The presence is upon him. His spirit is high, and the joy of the Lord is his strength. And as he moves, the enemy tries to bring those things that can distract him from focusing on the Lord. So... If his weakness is in the area of temper, then the enemy is going to cause people to do things that anger him. And if he is not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he gets angry and loses his temper, then he takes his eyes off the Lord. And being angry, he feels so furious. And after a few minutes, he wants to put that behind him, and move along in the joy of the Lord, but he doesn't feel it anymore. He tries to feel good again, but he doesn't feel any good again. Why? This is why. Because as he yielded to the temptation, they worked very hard to close the door upstairs. And once they restore the rock, the presence is cut off. And that person does not cease from being a child of God. But that extra anointing that goes on his life, that presence that could do things without his manipulating anything, is just cut off. Because the evil spirits seek out where your weaknesses are. If a person's weakness is sexuality, then the enemy will prepare people, events, something that will suddenly draw out that man's sexual passion. And if that man yields to this temptation and opens his mind to receive these thoughts, entertains them, then when he is through with everything and wants to move again in the anointing, he just discovers it's no longer there. Maybe you say, well, that's not fair. Just remember what the Bible says. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, we normally don't see the need for these weapons of warfare. But remember, Jesus told us how to pray. He said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Every time you have a breakthrough in prayer, as you come to the end, remember, you are still a weak human being. Remember, you have not yet been perfected. So ask the Lord, say, Lord, I've enjoyed this time of prayer. 
But when I walk out into the world, lead me not into temptation. Don't let me walk into the devil's trap. I know the enemy is setting a trap there. I don't know what form it's going to take. And I know I'm still weak in certain areas. If I'm just put in the right place, I'll yield to them. So, Father, please protect me. When you see me turning the corner to where the trap is, just cause me to turn to the other side. Intervene, O Lord. Don't allow me to move just by my own strength and ability. Deliver me from the evil one. God is able to do it. So if something bad happens that gets your eyes off Jesus, just say, thank you, Jesus. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, thank God in everything. Some things are not good. They're painful. And we wonder why God would allow it. But if we only knew what he is saving us from, we would thank him. When we learn to trust in the Lord, we just thank him for everything. And this man said that when you break through in prayer, the answer will always come. He did not know a case when prayer broke through and the answer did not come. He said the answer always comes. But in most cases, it would never get to the person who asked. Why? Because the battle is in the heavenlies. And the answer may be hindered if they can successfully cut off the open heavens and restore the rock. And then this man spoke something that really shook my faith. I mean, I had to personally fast for 10 days to ask the Lord if this was true. So hear this. The man said that every Christian has an angel serving him. Now, we know from the Bible that there are ministering spirits to us. He said that when people pray, the answer comes in the hands of the angel. The angel brings the answer, just like we read in the book of Daniel. But then he said something really tough. If the one who prays knows the spiritual armor and is clothed with the spiritual armor, then the answer comes by an angel who is also clothed in the full armor. But if the one who prays doesn't care about spiritual armor, then their angel comes without the armor. Christians who don't care about what kind of thoughts that come into their mind, they don't fight the battle in their mind. Their angels come without the helmet of salvation. Whatever spiritual weapon you ignore on earth, the angel doesn't have it as he serves you. In other words, our spiritual armor is not protecting our physical bodies. It's protecting our spiritual exploits. When the angel is coming, the evil spirits would focus and look at him and notice the areas which are not covered. And those are the areas they would attack. If the angel has no helmet, they would shoot at its head. If he had no breastplate, they would shoot at his chest. 
And if he had no shoes, they would try to make fire to burn his feet. Now, I, I know this is hard to believe. I'm just repeating what this man said. We asked him, can angels feel fire? And you know what he said to us? Remember, this is the spiritual realm. These are spirits dealing with spirits. The battle is intense. And when they overpower an angel of God, the first thing they target is the answer he is carrying. And they take that from him. And these are the gifts that are given through the cults and through witchcraft. Remember what the Bible says in the book of James. It says, all good things come from God. So, where does the devil get the things he gives to his people? Some people who cannot have children, they go to witch doctors and Satanists, and they get pregnant. Who gave them that, that baby? Is Satan a creator? No. He steals from those who don't pray to the end. In the Bible, Jesus said, pray without ceasing. And when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will Jesus find you still there waiting? Or will you give up and let the enemy steal what you prayed for? And they're not satisfied with just stealing the answer. They also are interested in detaining the angel. And they start fighting him. Sometimes they succeed in holding and binding the angel. When that happens, the Christian is a victim on earth. And they can do anything with the Christian because he is totally left without ministry in the spirit. I said to this man, do you mean that an angel can be held in captivity by demonic forces? Now, he was just sharing his experiences. And he said that they wouldn't hold the angel too long because as other Christians prayed elsewhere, reinforcements would come and the angels would go free. And if the Christian responsible did not pray through, he remains a captive. Then the enemy sends his own angel as an angel of light to this person. And that is where deceptions come in, false visions and false prophecies, false leadership, leading and guiding and making all types of wrong decisions. And many times, this person is open to all kinds of attacks and bondages. I left that dinner so troubled. I said, Lord, I don't even want to try to believe this guy. It removes all my confidence and my security. When I went to seek the Lord, it was ten days. And the Lord did two things. He not only confirmed the things that I heard, he opened my mind to see a lot more than what was said. And secondly, he led me to see what we are supposed to do as the things are happening so that we can overcome. These three important things. Number one, 
how to operate with the weapons of our warfare. The Bible calls them the armor of God. And it's not our armor. It's God's armor. When we use it, we are allowing God to fight on our behalf. Number two, understand the relationship of the ministering spirits, the angels, to our spiritual lives. And to be sensitive to what is happening in our hearts as a leading to what needs to be happening in the spirit concerning us. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not supposed to come as our servant, serving us and bringing things to us. He does not run to and fro to the Father and tell him what we need. That is the work of the angels. But he stands by our side. Doing what? Guiding us. Teaching us. Leading us. And helping us to pray the right way. And when these things are happening in the spirit's world, he tells us. Sometimes he wakes you up in the night and says, pray. And you say, no, my time has not yet come. And he says, pray now. Why? Because he sees what is happening in the spirit. Sometimes he says, tomorrow, fasting. And you say, oh, oh no, 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 no. I'll start on Monday. But he understands what is happening in the spiritual realm. We should learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He guides us in the paths of righteousness. We've got to learn to break through in prayer. To maintain our breakthrough once we've scored it. And let it become enjoyable. Hallelujah. There's enough of God's grace and enough power for victory. Amen? All right, so I want to start off first by saying I had a really, really, really hard decision to make, you know, a little while ago. And I asked the Lord to forgive me because the last thing you want to do is give up on people. And it's the last thing you want to do is turn people away from the truth, even though they may have their experiences. But the decision I had to make was knowing how important that this was, that I wanted everyone here to hear it. Okay? And I'm not saying that it wasn't meant for everyone to hear, but when I noticed that things weren't being heard, distractions were being made, then I had to make a decision on... You know, do I go through with that or do I, you know, go off? Because you can be in that place where it's like, okay, well, we need to be there for everybody. But then if no one learns anything, then what was the point? Right. Okay, so we're all here to serve Jesus Christ. And we're not going to give up on our brother. We're going to keep him in prayer, you know. Hopefully from this point on, other things will happen. And we're going to work with him. But as far as this is concerned, this changed my prayer life. And, I mean, a lot of people may say... Well, yeah, you don't know if that's true. Um, You guys weren't really here in the beginning, but he talked about that when people are trying to pray through, that the devil actually has a a veil that he places over the earth. 
and a lot of people will refer to that. I guess it's the Akashic Records where, you know, if you ever deal in New Age stuff, you get that there's like a whole veil around the earth that the devil controls. Mm -hmm. That is his realm. And this is why he is the god of this world, you know, because he, he runs this whole time and space area. So all we got to do is look in the book of Daniel and see that this is true. Daniel prayed for a breakthrough, and it wasn't granted to him right away. So Daniel stayed in prayer and fasting until he heard from the Lord. Right. Now remember, an angel came to try and get to Daniel right away when that prayer was heard. And that angel said, I came because, you know, um, the Lord had to send Michael to come and aid me that I may break through to get to you. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying Daniel was doing anything wrong, but sometimes a prayer can be so intense and so important that the enemy will throw everything he can in the way to stop you from receiving that prayer. Mm -hmm. So we know that this is scripturally sound. Mm -hmm. Astral projection, for anyone who's never heard of it, is a lot of these New Age witches and people do, it's an out-of-body experience. This can actually be done. Even Solomon talks about the silver cord. I have to look that scripture up. But the point is, is that a lot of people can, they have learned how to leave the body in the spirit and go and do other things. There are people who have been sexually molested and where do you think incubus and succubus come from? You know, people will do things because these people know what the attacks are. So can you imagine how many churches that don't know this are being attacked? Can you imagine how many times we've been attacked? You know, not even recognizing what's going on. So this made me consider my prayer life so important. And you talk about losing time. Man, there was one day I was in here, man, after hearing that. Man, forget it. I tried to pray all day, and four hours passed like it was nothing. It, it felt like 25 minutes. I'm not even kidding. I looked at the time, and I'm like, there's no way in the world I was in here praying for four hours. But... That is what the Lord, I mean, it just made me understand the importance of prayer. Yeah. Because I've always wondered why if I'm, if I'm praying, nothing is happening. Well, you know, the Lord is showing me through this video, your prayers are weak. You don't pray in enough faith. You don't give me enough time. You don't do the things that I want you to do in order to grow. Now, some people would say, well, God will hear any prayer. Yeah, he can, but you got to understand, what's so wrong about what this guy said? Because all this will do is increase your prayer life, which Jesus said to pray without ceasing. So it's not going against the Bible like, oh man, come on, you really think that God needs to hear all of that from you? It's how desperate are we yeah. to receive the blessings of the Lord? Even when we talk about fresh anointings, and we got a, we got a teaching on that coming up. If you want God's anointing, he's not going to put it on a slothful person. Right. Now, we may work hard, but that still makes you slothful because we're not doing things for the kingdom. But the Lord is only going to place his anointing on people that are willing to do the job. And I believe that anointings can be given and they can be lifted because I felt it. Yeah. There were days, man, when I felt the spirit was on me and I was, you know, out there preaching and talking to people. Then there's days I went out there and I felt like my tank was empty. Like I knew the Lord wasn't here because I didn't even have the confidence to profess his name. So we can easily, in our hour of temptation, get thrown off. Now notice when he said the phone calls came. He said, it's not like you get to pick back up with the Lord. Mm -hmm. That prayer is gone and you've got to start all over again in prayer yes. to get that fire up. Mm -hmm. And when he said pray with ease... How many times have we prayed in the spirit? I mean, really prayed. And it, it seems difficult at first. You're looking for the right words. And 
I want to pray about me, but the Lord is trying to direct me to someone else. And then there comes a point where this doorway is just open. And I mean, the prayers are just spilling it. I mean, they're just coming out. You're not even thinking about what to say or what to do. And some people will pray in tongues at that point. And I mean, it's a flow. So we don't want to do things to lose this is what I'm saying, because our God is not a God of slack. Okay, now some people would say that's not true. The Lord loves you. We're not talking love here. We know the Lord loves us, but there is a connection that he's looking for us to have. And if we separate from that, you don't think he loved Adam and Eve when they walked away? When they sinned, that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't love. Yeah, he loved them, but they sinned, making them incompatible with him. He had to take them out of the garden until Jesus Christ came to redeem man. But it's not about love. It's not about the Lord, the Lord's loyalty to us. The Lord is faithful and true, and I still believe that. How faithful are we to his calling? We're not given spiritual gifts to sit around and do nothing. The Lord wants you to be active with it. And there were times, like I said, I sat on mine. I felt my anointing come and go, come and go, come and go. And I'm like, why can't the Lord just stay on me? Because I'm not staying up under him. It's only common sense. You know, you want him to do things for you, but you're not even close to him to where he can do things with you. Now, of course, his grace is there and everything else. And I'm not trying to downplay the Lord's love for us, but we got to understand what the hour of temptation is. Because many times the Lord in the spirit can call us to one thing and we go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that is just the beginning of your armor peeling back. And, you know, you may still have some things and you still feel good, but as you continue to start drifting, you'll start to see more fall off. And this is why um, I think it's in Kings, I think it's in Kings or Samuel where uh, one of the, uh, I think it was about the two sons of Samuel or, or what's the old man's name that broke his neck. He had two sons, but they were sinning. And, and, and Eli, the guy's name was Eli, a priest. His two sons were running through, um, you know, Israel sinning. And he was excusing them because he was their father. So he was overlooking a lot of their sin when he should have dealt with it according to the law. The law, But he didn't. So when he eventually died, I remember the, the daughter, well, their sister named her child Ichabod because it said the glory of the Lord has departed. When Samuel um, went out to battle with the Philistines, he had not known that the Lord had departed from him. Samson thought he was just as tough as he was. He didn't even recognize his hair was clipped, and he didn't recognize that he was sitting in the lap of a harlot. That's what destroyed Samson. He had a weakness in his flesh that the devil saw, and he eventually exploited. So you see, Samson was tough as long as his hair was up, even though he was disobeying a lot. But man, once the anointing was clipped, once the seven spirits of God, the seven locks on his head were moved, that changed the whole game. Samson became a powerless, blind, you know, victim of his enemies. And this is what we got to keep the, the devil from doing to us. Because if the devil knows you have an anointing, or even if you're close to one, he can remove it. So I believe this guy's story about astral projection. The Lord many times had taken people from that side and brought them over that they may become informants to educate the church. He did it with John Todd. He did it with so many people. But I believe that I, it was meant for me to know this because the Lord was telling me, you know, you are this close from not knowing me. You know, and that, that 
it, it set me right. You know, it made me seek him that much more. Because we think if we know the Lord today, we know him tomorrow. You have to stay with the Lord to know the Lord. And I know that's hard for people to fathom. Because it's just like any relationship. You don't even know your wife's about to divorce you. You don't even know your husband is just this close from calling it quits and walking out of your life. But as you monitor the relationship, you see where things are starting to go. So we have to remain with him is all I'm saying. But you can lose your anointing and you can get it back. But the cost of that is, is to spend time with him locked away with the Lord. But when the hour of temptation comes, we have to be as Jesus is. We have to stay. It is written. This is what the Lord has called me to do. Nothing is going to stop me. And that's why he warned the church of Ephesus, your light will go out. I will remove your candlestick from your church because you have left your first love. So they were working. They were doing all this stuff, spotting the fakes, doing this and that. But he said, you know, you have left your first love, which means no matter what we do, we have to always remain in relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to knock anybody's salvation of anything. If we're believers, that should make you intensely seek him that much more. Okay, because there are a lot of people that found the Lord that lost him or that he had to step back from because they stopped following him. That's all I'm saying, you know. So let's go to um, let's go to Luke eight. I want to go there real quick. But I believe everything this guy said. Now some people would say, well, you can't find some of that stuff in Scripture. You think God's brain or God's mind is is held to sixty six books? You don't think that there's things that He can tell you right on the spot? God's mind is infinite, mm-hmm. and and, and that didn't really contradict Scripture. That went along with it. But I'm just saying, man, you'd be surprised the attacks that the devil is waging against the church. And most churches are walking around with no power, no armor. And and I'm going to tell you tonight what the Lord revealed to me concerning this situation. This is not a place of entertainment. When it's not familiar to people who are used to being entertained, it it becomes a problem because it's like we can't focus. That's why we got to seek the Lord and have him speak to us. Because some people will tell you, man, when is he going to start preaching? But what they're saying is, I didn't jump up and, whoa, Jesus, and all that. And I'm sliding on the floor and, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. See, people are expecting that. But that's not how Jesus spoke. Mm -hmm. These are affectations given by the world in telling people that this this is religion. This is how you serve God. So, you know, I understood what was going on and... Lord, forgive me if I had done anything wrong. I just, I had a decision to make, and I felt like this was very important for us because it was for me. So, Lord, forgive me, you know. Hopefully you won't come see me tonight for this. But, um, anyways, uh, so let's go to Luke 8. And And we'll start at verse 1. Yeah. The praying, too, um, is our spiritual training where the Lord tests our, like, well, we have to endure through the distractions and faith and mm-hmm. um, also incline our ear to hear what he wants to say to us. Mm-hmm. And that's our direct connection to him. And that's why I felt like he was telling me to make the move I did because they already said they didn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. They already blamed one of us for bringing them here. So at that point, when I learned that no one was learning, I was like, man, this can't continue, you know, because this is all about his will. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about just being there. We were just all here in in pleasant company. I wouldn't mind. But, you know, 
I feel like the Lord is wanting us to say something and get something done. Right. So I'm glad everyone showed up because, you know, this is, it's big. All right, we'll start at verse 5, uh, Luke 8 and 5, and it says, uh, so verse 4, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. So this is Jesus talking about the parable of the sower. A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said uh, these things, he cried, uh, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they, uh, they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So we know that there is a constant fight to deliver people to the truth concerning the Lord. Now, some people may say, well, we taught the word and the person didn't want to hear it. So they didn't, you know, didn't get saved. But you see, this fight is even going on with us because what gives us a desire to go out and win souls or share the word of God? So you see, the attack is not just one sided. It's not just on. Well, yeah, well, we told them they didn't believe it. But see, where is your desire to go out and preach to the people? And this is why at times we can feel like, oh, man, I don't, I don't have the strength to do that. If we stay focused on Jesus, he's going to give you the desire to do anything you need to do for the kingdom. It is all about him. Yeah, I feel like your, your words wouldn't be uh, like, it wouldn't be that. It would be a, uh, it would be a Christ-like response. It wouldn't mm -hmm. be like... I told them it wouldn't it wouldn't be that it'd be something right. something totally different. Right, but I meant like you know when the Lord talks about wipe your feet, right, dust off your feet and move mm -hmm. on. But some people, it's like they don't even try to win a soul. It's just like, hey man, let me just move on. So we got to be able to sustain the blows until yeah. we know that a person really doesn't want it. Mm -hmm. You know, just hang in there. Uh, this is verse thirteen. And on the rock are they, which when they hear, uh, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, for uh, which for a while believe, and in the time of temptation fall away. So this is another thing that he's talking about concerning people that are not rooted and grounded. They will fall away. This is why some people can say, I used to be a Christian, but, you know, anytime somebody comes at you with, I used to be a Christian, but you were never a Christian to begin with. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I did like that our brother said that he was honest, he said, I'm a believer, he said, but I'm lost. And see, when people come that direct and they seek the Lord like that, the Lord can work with you because you know what you're missing and what you need. But a lot of, I'm telling you, we cannot go into this thing. There's nothing wrong with being confident and there's nothing wrong with, with believing and having total faith in our God. But we also have to be realistic concerning things in our walk. That's right. You know, I'm not where I want to be. Lord, you gave me an anointing of 20. I don't want that anointing. I want one. But you're going to give me at 40. 
I need more. I need to constantly grow and progress with you to get. And it's not being satisfied with what the Lord gave you. But when we understand the Lord, he doesn't want you to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. He wants you to increase in him until he makes his home in you. And this is why I believe what that guy said when the devil will come and try and find out what your weaknesses are. Because I believe there isn't one person in this room that has not prayed through. I believe we all have prayed through. But I also know the devil will take a situation and say, okay, this is not spiritual. Okay, this is, I'm going to make them believe this is a necessity. So I'm going to attack them at their job. You know, I'm going to do, he's going to, he'll use a woman, a man. It doesn't matter what. This guy plays by no rules. He will do whatever it takes to keep you from breaking through. So breaking through is much more fearful than the devil than succeeding in this world. Okay, that's much more important to him is that you go down and pray. He's more afraid of that than you trying to make it through everyday life. Because if you become like Christ, you are unstoppable because Jesus could not be stopped. Okay, now if the Spirit decides to make you a a martyr one day or, or your time is up with him, then it's up. But one thing the Lord wants us to do, and that's why he calls it in the third level, the cares of this life. When you care about it, it's one thing to do it and go through. But when it's important to you, then it, then, it, then it's a problem because it stops you from doing what the Lord wants. But it can be masked as, this is the American dream. This is what it is. This is what we all do. Whose dream is it? It ain't God's dream. God never, when Paul went to, um, Paul was in, uh, I forgot where he was educated or what Paul did, but he said that, man, what I learned of them, I count that as dumb to have Jesus Christ. He said he called me by his grace. That garbage is garbage. I'm just glad that the Lord came to me and revealed to me what I needed to know. It was almost like Paul saying that, you know, man, if I had known this before, I would have been all right. So this is something that we just got to think about. So those people fall away in the time of temptation. And that which fell among thorns are they which, um, when they have heard, go forth and are choked by the cares of the riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Okay, so we understand that this is one of the snares of the devil. I don't have to stop you from believing in Jesus. I already learned I can't do that. But if I can keep you in the wilderness away from your potential to be like Christ, I've done my job. If you stay at 60% all your life, you may seem like a Christian to the whole world. Man, this guy has values. He can do all this stuff. Man, this guy's no liar. He's this and that. That's, that's appearing great to the world. But the enemy is sitting back smiling. Yeah, but you're not like Christ. And that's all I'm concerned about. You got half of Jesus to walk with. You don't have the whole thing. So he can he can work with you in ways to keep you from getting where you need to be. But you'll know it, man. When the when you are someone for the Lord that He's gonna use, man, the devil will come at you with everything. There were people when I started this ministry I haven't heard in years. Didn't heard from in years. But people that troubled my heart once that I was worried about, you know. A relationship or something that may work out. And that person calls me on the phone. You know what? You were right about everything. And I want to serve the Lord. And, you know, I, I think that we should start going to church together again and having things like this and that. And, you know, man, I was so tempted. Like, you know, I do love him. So this ought to make it right. 
And the Lord said, no, <laughs> this is not a sincere thing. If they're seeking me, they know where they can find me. Don't think, and this is what catches us too. And we think we're saviors. We know, oh, well, I got to save them. I got to save that. Hey, you talk to people, let the Lord work, and you keep it going with Christ. Because Lot did not turn back and find his wife. Lot kept it moving. Lot understood, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah is burned up. I'm going where I need to go. I'll turn around later on when we get to Zoar. But I'm not turning around now. Okay, so we can't look back because a lot of us are going to be lost at the most inopportune times. We have got to stay forward with Jesus. You know, and usually people are going your way when it's like that. You know, so it, it, there is no problem with you and the Lord. You meet people along the way. And, and the best thing to do is talk to unbelievers. Those are the ones that need Christ. Those are the ones that truly need Jesus. But I'm telling you, when the devil saw potential in me, and I, I'll be the first to say it, wound up in all, all kinds of sin when I started this ministry, when I started going forward, the Lord put me in the ministry, I should say, all kinds of things, man, I was still overcoming. Things that I had thought I'd forgotten, that it was all over. I could just go and live. And there he was, man, I'm going to destroy you. I'm pulling, putting all kinds of obstacles in your way. And see, that's not uncommon to a believer. To a believer, things are going to come. Mm -hmm. And they're going to try and stop you. Right. And then afterwards, the enemy is going to tell you that you're nothing. God can't use you. Look at what you were thinking. Look at what you did. But that's when you got to buckle down in Jesus and get to know him. Lord, this was where I fell. This is where I made a mistake. I want your anointing upon my life, and I want you to carry me. I want to go forward. So we're going we're gonna to take blows, man. And this is why he said novices cannot govern churches. Why? Because they fall into the snare of the devil. David Wilkerson tells a story about him being... Um, you know, getting in the ministry, and he was messing up too, but the devil made him rich. So what was he doing? Going out and, you know, he wrote a book, and he was doing all these things, and slowly separating from the Lord to the point to where he said, he came to the Lord, Lord, I don't know you. I know I did all these things. I went out and I spoke to gang members, and I put my life in the middle of all this, but I don't know you. There is something missing from your life. And when you get close to the Lord and you start straying away, man, you can feel it because it's a cold place. All that confidence, everything that you had in you is just like a bubble burst. Like you just don't have it. Well, it's because we need to stay up under the anointing, serving God. That is the most important thing. First Corinthians chapter 10. Anyone want to add anything they can? Yeah. Man, I'm to a point where I'm just ready to give it all up for him. I'm ready to walk and trust him. It's just it's just at that point where I can tell, Lord, if I continue where I am, I will not be able to walk with you. Because if I care enough about this, the devil will throw something in my way. And because I'm still covetous, because I'm still this, because I'm still that, because I'm still full of lust, he's going to draw you in. Like a, you know, ensnare you, yeah. Well, I can say on that that I believe at times when the Lord has really just given us opportunities, He's going to take things away from us, or even appear to take things away from us to show us, I want your full 
attention. Mm -hmm. And if I have to do it, I know you can handle it. I know you're still going to walk with me. But if I have to take something away from you so you follow me, I'm only trying to do it so you don't go back into the world. Mm -hmm. And I believe he's going to do that at times. And we have to see it as, Lord, I know you got this and forgive me. Repent. And I think that's why the walk of most Christians is hard because I think there's a fine line between the Lord wanting us to be content but then he wants us to lose hope in this life. Yeah. He really, I'm telling you, when things start to happen to us, the Lord is only telling me, because I don't even want you in this. Mm-hmm. I want you to me so we can do our will. Yep. But, it, I mean, he makes, it, it's so hard for a Christian. You wonder, man, how is this unbeliever going on and living and having all this stuff? You know, and you're like, man, God can't love me if he's giving this guy this. Because the devil will do anything it takes to keep you away. When you decide to serve Jesus, Man, it's, it's a whole new ball game because you got to understand if you escape from Egypt, Egypt is not your life source anymore. That's right. You're now in the wilderness looking unto God. So if you're looking for Egypt to sustain you, it won't. Egypt has no loyalty to you. You left. <laughs> you told everybody Jesus is Christ. Now you want to come here for a few crumbs? No, I think you better get back out there in the wilderness. But that's how they feel. So the world will automatically cut you off. When you follow the Lord. And that's why a Christian's life is so hard. That's why, man, no matter how I'm working, it's just just not enough, man. It's just, man, I'm doing the same thing over again, but I'm still not being fulfilled. Because you won't be fulfilled. Jesus Christ is your life source, not the world. And I'm telling you, man, when I lost my job, I thought with no money I was through. And the Lord said, no. I've got something else. Remain faithful. I'm, 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 and I'm not like I'm rich. It's not like I hit the jackpot. But I'm proof that I went a whole month without money. And the Lord still paid my bills. He still yeah. took care of it. That's right. So that's how I know I was going his way. Because if I wasn't going his way, I would have been cut off. He would have said, well, I didn't tell you to leave the job. That was you being stupid. You know, whatever. But he will take care of your every need if we just trust him. That's all it is. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that, our, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the seas and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This is 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all uh, drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So we know that Jesus Christ was sustaining the children of Israel in a barren land. It was just he and them. Mm -hmm. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So this is so important because he's talking about these people were not, God was not pleased with these people that were overthrown in the wilderness. If you go to, um, because I don't think we have time to go there, but I believe it's in Hebrews 4 or 3, it talks about the wilderness of pleasure, the wilderness of temptation. Okay, so the wilderness is a more dangerous place, believe it or not, than Egypt, because a lot of deception is in it. In Egypt, you know that you got the devil breathing down your neck. 
you know that you're subject to man and he's just trying to break you and you know you just feel like a servant but man when you get out into the wilderness that open plain and you just see the fresh grass and your enemy's not behind you anymore trying to chase you and kill you we start to relax and we get to that place of man the lord set me free and you learn that that's not the final resting place. The Lord wants you in the promised land. So the wilderness can be very deceptive, and it, and it catches a lot of people. And that's why when some people think they got spiritual power, you really got soul power. Okay, that's in your soul. These are your emotions. You cooked this thing up, and you felt like you had something. But the Lord wanted you in the spirit. So a lot of those people were ready to settle in the wilderness, but they didn't realize that Jesus... I mean, that, that God wanted them in the promised land. They thought that Jesus the whole time was going to supply them where they were, and he's not. And that's why for a believer, he's trying to extract us from things, because eventually he knows the devil is going to close the show. He's going to collapse this economy. He's going to do everything. Now the question is going to be, do you know Jesus? Right. That's what it's going to come down to. Because we're still holding on to this and, and it slips away from us. I'm telling you, you are going to have that feeling of, oh no, how am I going to pay my bills? Mm -hmm. How am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Well, they are offering the mark up the block. So, you know, I mean, I got to take care of my family after all. I mean, I got to live. See, you don't think that you would compromise it to that point. But you see, if you're not grounded in Christ, Jesus Christ is who doesn't accept the mark. You will. And we need to get that straight. I don't care what you read in here. I don't care if you read eternal damnation or you read the lake of fire. That doesn't matter to the flesh. The flesh wants to be sustained now. Jesus Christ is who doesn't take the mark. Okay, because it's not in the nature of Christ. That's why he says if you have the number of the beast, the name of the beast, or the number of his name, if you already eat what the beast eats and you already indulge in the things he likes, you will accept the mark. I'm telling you, it's going to be a real test of your faith seeking Jesus. All right, so he says, so they lusted in the wilderness. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down and eat and drink, to eat and drink, and rose up to play. So you see, this was the whole thing about how we can enjoy what we like outside of what the Lord wants. And I do believe the Lord gives us pleasures. He gives us family and friends to enjoy and do things. I'm not saying to take everything so serious, but in the end, it is about Christ. And he called them, he said, neither be idolaters. So what are people that indulge in this world? And they love this and this alone. They are idolaters because they, they, they care about the things that are here more so than what God wants. He's got to be our first love. Mm -hmm. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. They had other gods. They were out there fooling around with other women, you know. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So you can't be tired and well-doing. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So no matter what the stories are in this Bible, it could be Mary and Martha, whatever it is, is an, it is an example of what the Lord desires <coughs> for his people. He pulled Matthew, Mark, not Mark, he pulled Matthew, 
Peter. Peter, James, and all these guys from work. Mm -hmm. He pulled them from their daily living. Now, I'm not saying that we're there yet, but the point is, is understand what the end game is. The end game for every single believer that is not given into temptation is you and Christ. Matter of fact, it's not even you. It's Christ in you that's standing there. Amen. That is the end game behind every believer. As long as we're here, man, I'm telling you. The interesting is that uh, in this section you were reading, and also in, in Luke, the gospel uh -huh. section you were reading, um, both said that we should not test the Lord. Mm -hmm. Tempt him or whatever, right. So if the Lord is calling us to do things, this is true. If the Lord is calling us to go forward and we don't listen to him, in some ways you're tempting him. And that's why we eventually lose jobs. That's why we eventually get divorced or things happen with us. You know, because it's like the Lord is telling you, hey, I know this hurts you, but you need to stay focused on me. And I do believe he'll go to great lengths on those he loves. And that's everyone. But few people understand what's being done. And that's why we got to see this thing through spiritual eyes. Right. We've got to, man. Don't look at things not happening in your life as a sign of failure. Yeah. That's what the world says. God is trying to get your mind back on track. <laughs> you know, to be with him. A lot of people will just pray and then they expect that something's going to something's going to change immediately or mm -hmm. and if it doesn't then isn't, isn't that more or less to be testing God mm -hmm. exactly they, they treat the Bible and God's blessing as a magical potion yeah. but then the, the funniest thing is when we want the Lord to join us in sin <laughs> we want the Lord to join us in things that we haven't even done I mean that he's not even interested in well Lord can you get me this job at Bouncing because I mean I need a job Lord is like, you ain't supposed to be down at a bar anyways. You know, but I'm only making an example. We've done what we had to do, but I'm just saying in the past. But I'm just saying that the Lord, if his blessing is for you, he's going to give you everything you need. Believe me, when you pursue him, you will not go without. All right, let's move on because I know it's getting late. just want to bring up a couple more examples. Um, Let's go to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. I know we've been here before, but this is a good one for this subject. We'll start at verse 3. That's what I think it is. I was going to bring that up earlier. Where are you? Yep. Uh, you could have. I read it anyways. <laughs> also, as you grow in your walk with the Lord, you gain, like start to lose full appreciation for the blessings of this world, even though he'll, he'll give them to you, mm -hmm. but um, you start to really appreciate the spiritual blessings that he provided you, which mm -hmm. is that, you know, connection with him, the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. you know, through prayer, and um, him giving you the joy of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, those things. That's right. And those are things you really end up wanting to seek more than yeah. anything else. And, you know, one of the biggest ones, too, is thanking the Lord we're not deceived. Mm -hmm. You know how many people are walking around yeah, with a veil over yeah. their face? Oh, they don't even understand Jesus. what this it's world like, is doing yeah, to them. It's almost you know? they're, like they're mad. And mm -hmm. those that are following God has a clear mind. Yes. Like, they, like, it's yeah, mm -hmm. the best I can put it. It's like you have a clear mindset. You don't have to worry about just random thoughts coming into you. Or if they do, you have Christ in you that'll just yeah. put them down. You exactly. Know, them like lightning. Exactly. Six and ten is what I was going to bring up. Yeah, that's all good. We're going to read it anyway. All right, so First Timothy 6 and 3, and it says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and to uh, the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. You know, I was out there talking to an atheist. I'm not going to say their names, but the funny thing is when I was out there talking to them, they were trying to match me intellectually and talk about all the things that they know and this and that. But it was funny when I started talking about Satan's destiny for the world and how that can even be proven through government and everything else we see. He ended up kind of lost and in that place of, really? But then, but then, because he had so much stock here, and in his knowledge, you can see a hole, like, close up. Like, I don't believe it. That's what people say. But, you know, who knows? But the thing is, is God gives you a complete story. Not only does he tell you that he is the way and shows us, but then he also tells you what the enemy is doing and what his plans are. Yeah. So you can lose the love for this. So truth is just so important because when he shows us, then we can say, well, Lord, I know that, you know, it's all about you. It's not about this. It's, it's almost if it's like you tell, you tell someone about Christ and those the people who are in the world like, no, I got to protect what I have in mm -hmm. this world, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to someone about Christ um, or if, you, if, if a worldly person talks to you about worldly things who to a believer, you'll say, no, thanks, I got to protect. Christ that's in me. Exactly. You know, and I, the mindset we It's true. And I thank God for one of these students that we worked with because he confirmed something that I didn't even know was going on. When he broke my watch <laughs> for no reason, I was just sitting there, you know, like just doing whatever. And he just took my watch and pulled it off my arm. He was trying to play, I guess, or do something. And I said, Did you break my watch? I'm looking at it or whatever. And then there was a piece that came over me and said, it's all right. Like, don't even worry about it. This is just a watch. It's of the world. It's not going anywhere, and you can't take it with you later on. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that something changed in me. Because even a year ago, I probably would have lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> you little whatever, you know, and just went off. But the Lord is always ever taking us away from things. Man, I don't know. I remember even the teacher said, Oh, boy, because he was thinking, he said he knew something was going to happen. And it was just this piece that came over. It's all right. It's all right. Just to watch. But, you know, I don't even miss it. I thought about getting another one. True. That was just for show, you know. Thank you for airing my bed. No, I'm just joking. It's cool. It's true. So you have envying. You want what people want. You know, when you're when you're like that strife, you, you hate things that people have. And it just... There's no peace over you when you're seeking world treasure. Yeah. When you're seeking the things of the world, because even those who have $100 million, they still dream of being a billionaire. Mm -hmm. They still want more. It doesn't end there. I need more money, more power, more influence. Never satisfied, always hungry and thirsty. Exactly, and this is awful. And for destruction, not life. Exactly. I mean, you're on what Melissa calls Satan ham Satan's hamster wheel, you know, and you're just running on it and really not gaining any ground. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's not going with you. I don't care what you own. You cannot pack it in that casket with you. And even if you did, you'll never see it. Stuff will still be there in the casket and you'll be off into heaven or hell, you know, so... Is what it is. But anyway, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. 
but godliness with contentment is great gain. So we know that it's all about having the godliness, God's peace, like as Christina said, the fruit grown in us and, and pursuing him. Man, that's a happy life if anybody has ever, you know, experienced it. But we brought nothing, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. The Lord is like, look, if your naked body isn't being shown and you've got something to eat, be glad. He didn't even say even if you have a place to live. Because as far as he's concerned, the Son of Man had no place to live. Right. Jesus walked around doing what needed to be done, and the Lord took care of him. So you see how we can fall into, man, i got a nice, comfortable place. The Lord don't want things comfortable. He wants you constantly moving where your mind is on eternal life. Mm -hmm. So then he says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in their destruct, in destruction and perdition. You get drowned in that because you really think that this is something. I, I know for a fact, even from my time on Wall Street, it is impossible to serve the Lord and have all these things. I mean, the Lord would really have to bless you and you would have to see that it's the Lord blessing and you would have to have a relationship with him because what he's going to tell you to do with those riches is give them away. Yep. He's going to say, okay, I'm going to keep pouring into your bucket. You keep taking care of people. And this will be our agreement. You're looking out for them. You're teaching them the Lord. And I'm constantly giving you. God will never tell you to store up your treasures. Not, at least not here right. in heaven. heaven. Exactly. For the love of money is the root of all evil. And while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So those that were greedy or that diligently sought after these things, after the love of money, they have erred from the faith. It can be easily done because you'll start to make you'll start to make excuses for this. And what Jesus said in Luke 14, when he invited all these people to the marriage supper, one guy just married a wife, mm -hmm. another guy, um, I, I have a, a what is it? A vineyard or something yeah. to take care of. And another guy had this. And they said, ask the Lord that we be excused. So the guy went back, told the Lord, and the Lord said, man, forget them. Get the maimed, get the crippled, get anybody you can get in here because we got a bunch of empty seats. Yeah. So as those people came in, he then said, those people that are after this, they're never going to taste of my supper. So in other words, they chose those things over him. And he... And this is why, you know, the Christian church in a lot of places, man, we're in for a rude awakening if we don't have Christ in us. Mm -hmm. I know what the daily Christian experience is. You go to church on Sunday, you minister whom you can, be nice to your brother and this and that. The Bible says not just to love your neighbor, but to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. That means you don't really have time for anything else except that which he gives you time to do. Think about it. If this is our only chance in life, man, we've got to nail this and we've got to nail it down to the point to where we are in. That gate is not narrow for no reason. There's a reason why that gate is narrow, because some people love things more than God. And I've been guilty of this. And if the Lord searches me deep, there's still things that I love more than him. That's why he threw my butt out on the street. You ain't going to sit up in here and this will be the only thing you do. You need to get out there. Because if you love me, there are people that don't have YouTube. There are people that don't, don't have any of this stuff. 
You need to go where it can be preached. And I thank him for that. Yeah, I was kind of nervous at first and all, but man, now it's not even about us. It's about serving him. So he says, uh, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. Now that is anything that we just mentioned. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Man, Paul is saying, you've got to hang on to that, that eternal life with everything you've got. With both hands. Now, you don't have to seek eternal life. You seek Jesus. Because Jesus only came for one purpose. But, man, you've got to hang on him. I mean, and hold tight with everything you got. Lord, I mean, I don't have the strength to do this. Give me the strength. Lord, I'm covered. Take this from me that I may pursue you. But this all comes in steps. You know, faith to faith, glory to glory. But I'm just saying overall, he said lay, hand, lay hold on eternal life. He could have said a lot of things. Paul could have warned his young apprentice, Timothy. Well, Timothy, you know, um, I know that you got other things going on, you know, but pursue the Lord when you can. It's only the right thing to do. He didn't tell him that. He said, fight the good fight of faith. That means every day your faith is being contested. Mm -hmm. You are being tried in a furnace of afflictions that you may be like Christ. Mm -hmm. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. So what is he talking about? Introducing people to the kingdom of God. That's where you profess your professions in the way that we live. A Christian should be different than anybody else. And everyone should know it. I don't like him. Why don't you like him? Because he's always talking Jesus and this and that. Then when we invite him out, he thinks he's better than the rest of us just because I invited him to a strip club. See, stuff like that. People ought to know that we are different. And you know what? They, the, the, the enemy already knows. And this is why people will accuse you of things that you have never done. You think you're better than me. I've heard that so many times. You know what that is? That is the conviction of Jesus Christ in you that they don't like. And it's not the person. It's the spirit that doesn't like it. But, man, you automatically, when you follow Jesus, you just feel so left out. But after a while, you start to embrace it when you understand why. And this is the hour of temptation that we're talking about. Pursue him. Revelation 3 and 7. I don't think I need to go that much more. You know, the Lord needs to, he makes a point. He makes a point. You just got to get it. He does say we are, we are a peculiar people. Yeah. You know, when they looked at the apostles, because we've got a study on Sundays now. we got three more coming up, which is the book of Acts. We covered one through uh, seven, right, so far. And then we're going to, you know, do them in parts. Since there's 28 chapters, you're just going to go from one to the next. But the Lord also led me there because he's trying to show us what his church is about. And you can't read the book of Acts and not have more faith. I encourage everyone to read the book of Acts because you're going to know, hey, I'm lacking something. If these guys got it and I don't, it's only because they weren't doing what I'm doing. And that is the truth. God is no respecter of persons. He will give you and maybe even more than he had given them if we believe Jesus Christ. And if you love this world, you can't believe Christ. Nope. All right, so this is uh, Revelation 3 and verse 7, and it says, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key, he that hath the key of David, 
He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. So we understand we're talking of Jesus Christ. If he opens a way for you, it doesn't matter what the powers of this world try to do. No man can shut it. And it's that simple. If he closes something, we need to know when God has closed the door. And that's when we got to have sensitivity in the spirit. When God has shut the door, stop trying to push past it because you're going to get yourself in something. You know, just trust in him. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. So these, this church has little strength. That means they're little. They don't have much. And they have kept his word, and they have not denied Christ. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. So the Lord is always in this place of taking something minor and, and putting it up against something major so that he can get more glory. So you may have, as I know a lot of people equate this to other things, and synagogue of Satan is a synagogue of Satan. It doesn't matter about where somebody is from and what they're about. You got these big mega churches out there that are of the synagogue of Satan. They are not the real Jews, but he's saying, you guys are little and you have kept my words. You have stayed with me. And then he's talking about these others. He said, man, one day they are going to bow down and know that I have loved them. And a lot of people are not ready for the real church. They're not ready for the real commandments of God and what he desires. Because when somebody sees small churches, they're going to say, man, that can't be God. Because they're, they're seeing it in a carnal mind. Man, that can't be. You're trying to say that God is in this? Then why don't they have blah, blah, blah? Because you don't understand that they are rich in Christ. All right, so anyway, he's going to explain why he did this. Verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast uh, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down from heaven, from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What greater glory than to be marked by the King of glory. Amen. I mean, you know, and this is what he's talking about when he says, um, Behold, make sure that no man takes thy crown. You've got to stay with it. Keeping us from the hour of temptation, mm -hmm. we've got to learn when we're in it and not fight against it. Right. Things don't work out for a reason. I'm not saying live a life of failure. I'm saying regardless of what you have, believe that God is God. Believe that Jesus is Christ. You don't believe God because of what he gives you. You believe him in spite of what you see. That's right. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right. You've got to stay believing. Because the devil, if he runs this physical world, all he's got to do is move a, a few pieces and there goes your faith. But we've got to believe him regardless of what we see, That's regardless right. of what we have. Mm -hmm. 
And we truly have to know what it is to be rich in Christ. So he said again, to him that overcometh. The promises of this Bible are only to those who have overcome. Amen. What are we overcoming? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, the devil tried to tempt Jesus. Jesus would have never been able to stay full of the Spirit and deliver you and I from a burning hell if he had hearkened unto what? The little cheap treasures that the devil gave him. Those things mean nothing. So while we are in this world doing what we need to serve the Lord. Amen. Reach out to somebody who needs Jesus Christ. I don't care where you are. If God is God, then he is more for you than anything that's against you. Right. We are not the minority. We are the majority. Amen. But we've got to believe this. Yes. You know, because the devil wants us to bow by shutting our mouths. We need to open our mouths and speak because God does have a church. Right. One last thing that I'm, I'm going to close up. Let's go to... Uh, I don't want to take it. Let's go to 1 Peter 1 and chapter 6, and I'll close from there. I do want to take Lord's Supper tonight. I know you guys have something, right? Okay. First Peter First uh, Peter 1. And we'll start at verse 6. I was just thinking about how you said you can lose your anointing in Phoenix. And um, it's crazy the connection of how Jesus had to get up early in the morning to pray. Mm -hmm. That was his preparation, mm -hmm. you know, every day because it's That's not right. the same as yesterday. You don't carry that anointing on to the next day. Right. That has to stay on. You're right. Yes. You have to stay to the, the tree of life. Absolutely. It's being faithful, too. Mm -hmm. And see, God makes it so, so you can constantly come back to him. And that keeps your relationship burning. If he gave you everything you needed at one shot, in your fallen state, I'm telling you, you'll walk away from him and you'll call him every now and then. He'll be just like anybody else. But for his people, he gives you just enough that you can keep eating from the tree of life. It's God's grace that we haven't fallen into temptation in this world. It's his grace. That's love. All right, 1 Peter 1 and 6, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season... If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, you know, like James talks about too, and here, that we're not supposed to count it all joy when you fall into temptation not fall into sin but fall excuse me fall into your hour of temptation because you want to prove god right, right. you're being tried you're being tested verse uh, 8 uh, whom have not seen ye love in whom though now ye see him not yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, in of which a salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. And this is why the Lord says, if you see a thing, that doesn't give you more faith. I mean, it can. But he here is talking about the prophets, how these guys were out there believing God. And I mean, they had thousands of years to wait upon this promise. But they still went forward believing. This is where the Lord wants us. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify 
when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister of the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So we are even given something that even the angels don't have. Mm -hmm. But because they stayed upon this promise, or if we um, hold fast to the promise of Jesus, he's saying how the faith went from them unto seeing what Jesus did unto us. And this is where all our faith is based, in this. Right. Okay? You only receive the Holy Ghost because you believe this. Not believing in what someone else said. So, you know, we got to stay with him. Verse 13. Wherefore, gird up thy loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance. So it was a time you didn't know. You know, and that's why he says... The Lord winks at sin for a season, but then he calls all men to repentance. 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father <coughs> without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. So, you know, no matter what we do, the fear of the Lord is necessary. Fear is not bad if it's focused towards the Lord because that means that you know that he is greater than all and it keeps you obedient. But if you, um, but if you fear something else other than God, then that fear is saying that there is something bigger than God. So we have to be on the right standing of fear. To fear the Lord is wise because who can contest him? Who can match him? But if you fear something else, then it's like, well, this is kind of tougher than the Lord, so I think I'm going to back out of this. So that's no faith. So you see, fear doesn't cut, it doesn't get you through unless it's focused on the Lord. For as much as ye know that ye were uh, not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So this is what he means about having the Spirit. We can't take having the Spirit for granted because everybody doesn't get it. There is a special blessing placed on someone born in, in the Spirit. You've got to use it. That's why you have it. Who by whom do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye that have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, that unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. So we have to go after these souls. We have to go out and teach the Word of God that people may receive Him. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. 
So we have to know what it is to stay up under the Lord and His Word because the biggest thing is staying connected to the tree of life. The hour of temptation comes often, and many times it's been masked as normal everyday life. So what? And this is where Satan is winning. But if we understand that anything outside of Jesus Christ is not of Christ, then, yeah, we can use the devil and what he has to do the will of the Lord. Hey, you get money or whatever like that, Lord's got you, then start looking after people. That's why he gave it to you. Or we'd be no different than them. But when we seek those things, wherever we are, let's preach Jesus Christ. Let's, let's talk to people. What makes their salvation less than any of ours? we got to see it that way. Don't be afraid. Man, fear him who has a heaven or hell to place the body and the soul. Amen. That's what we need to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Let's serve him because he's the only one that can redeem us. All right, so from here, that was the lesson tonight. I'm sorry for, you know, interruptions and other things. But, you know, I believe what this video has to say. And I totally believe that it will help if we look at everything in a spiritual sense. The fact that we know that the devil goes out of his way to try and hinder us should let us stay on our knees that much more before the Lord. Um, Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that video. Me and Carlin had listened to it a few Mm -hmm. months ago, and definitely at first it was kind of weird, but testing the spirits and Mm -hmm. the language scripture, I mean, I felt like I learned a lot from Mm -hmm. it. And even hearing it again, it was so exciting. Like, I felt the fruit. And And I'll tell you how important that video is. I had that video in my email for months, and I could not watch it. Like, something just kept throwing me off. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And I'm like, "Eh, I got something else to do. And, I mean, when I heard it, man, it it really does open your eyes. Mm -hmm. So that's why we can't be confounded to tradition, because we can miss out on what the Lord is saying. We can say, oh, well, come on. If that's, if that's you know, new age stuff, come on. You know that they're trying to manipulate you. Listen to what it's saying. All that video would make you do is seek God that much more. Yep. And if that was the goal, then so be it. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But some people will take that as, oh, man, they're just trying to manipulate you. You got you to gotta hear things through and be guided by the Spirit. Yep. The Spirit will tell you what's right and wrong. I don't know, Carlin or Sarah, whoever wants to present. And then I do want to take Lord's Supper. I'm sorry for going so late and holding everyone up. But I do want to um, take his supper. All right. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 6 and 1. And it is so important that our salvation be on one accord with Jesus Christ and Him only. Because, you know, with everything that's happening and everything that's getting ready to happen, if we don't have that strong foundation that's in us, we will be taken away. Mm-hmm. So, Second Corinthians 6 and 1. When we then, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that ye receive... Not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I heard, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Real quick, hold where you are and go to Isaiah 49 and 7. I just want to make this clear. Isaiah 49, 7. 
Isaiah 49 and 7. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to whom man despiseth, despiseth to whom the nation abhorreth, to a, to a servant of rulers. Kings shall arise, and princes, kings shall see and arise, and princes shall worship. Because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. So we also know in the New Testament it says every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess as well. So it's saying that no, even though the world, and as we know it, despises Jesus Christ, the world hates Jesus Christ, there's going to come a time no one will be able to deny him when he comes back. Even when we die and go you know, to eternity, we can't deny him then either. So we'll keep reading verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard thee, and in the day of salvation I have helped thee. I will preserve thee and give thee a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause the inheritant to desolate, to, to cause to inherit the desolate heritage. Yeah, heritage. So we can go back to second, or second Corinthians 6, but... One thing that we have to understand about being secured with our salvation is, what does it also say, and he read it tonight in Revelations, but Matthew 24 and 13 also says, But he shall, but he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. So we have to endure until the end of our life for our salvation to be secure with Jesus Christ. It's not once saved, always saved. It's not... You know, I can read my Bible here and there and everything will be hunky-dory and fine. It's not that I say that I know Jesus Christ. We have to know that we know that we know we know that Jesus Christ lives in us. So we'll keep reading for the sake of time. Verse 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience. I want us to listen to this here. Much patience in afflictions in necessity in distress, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labor, in watching, in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. So love unfeigned means there's no attachment to that love. We give because we want people to come to know Jesus Christ. We give because it was said tonight, we can't abhor these things because we can't take it with us anyway. So why not... When God gives us something, let's give it to other people who have less than us, those that need to come to know Him. All right, um, verse 7, By the word of truth, that means we're only giving them the gospel, not worldly wisdom. By the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. And we know what that means when we go out and we tell people about Jesus Christ, what's going to happen? devil's going to come in and, oh, well, they've been doing this or they've been doing that. So it's going to happen. You know, people are going to try and lie on us because the devil doesn't want the truth coming forward. Verse 9, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, dying out to this world, as chastised chastened and not yet killed as sorrowful uh, yeah as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as as sorrowful as always rejoicing rejoicing as poor yet making many rich 
as having nothing and yet possessing in all things. And real quick, I want to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So what is this saying? We have to walk as Jesus Christ walked. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's how we become rich. In his grace, in his glory, in his truth. Mm-hmm. Willing mm-hmm. to... Our riches are in heaven. They're not here on this earth. You know? <laughs> Verse 11. All ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightening us, but ye are straightening your own bowels. Which means... It's not because of what we told you. It's because you don't want to believe that you've become that stiff person. Verse 13. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak unto you, my children, that ye be in also enlarged. So that's all I have for tonight. But it is so true that we really do have to give up this world, die out to it, and live for Jesus Christ. start off in Luke 5 and 3. Luke's popular tonight. <laughs> Actually, just go 5 and 4 for time. Luke 5? Yep, 5 and 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a drop. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. So, I just want to start off. This is really such a, I don't know, this is such an important example of how we need to be with the Lord, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, especially after, like, long days of work, and then we already know, like, we're super tired, and, like, we've done this, you know? I've done this a million times. Like, I'm a fisherman, you know? Like, I, I know how to catch fish. But when the Lord comes in and asks you to do something, you do it. Amen. That's right. And not in our own understanding, because we don't know. We just do it because he asks mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And we know nothing. We don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. So much fish. I love that story. <laughs> it's sinking the boat. <laughs> This is our God. This is what he does for us yeah. when we are obedient and listen and walk with him. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Can you imagine, you know, just like, I don't know him, like, I don't want to do this, you know, and then the blessings pour in, and he's just like, I don't even deserve this, you know. Mm-hmm. But none of us do, you know. But exactly. The Lord loves us anyways, and mm-hmm. he still provides. It's mm-hmm. such a blessing. 
So for he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken, and so was also James and John the son of Zebedee, Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not from henceforth that thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So, I mean, this is pretty much the... This is it right here. You know, this is us. We're fishers of men. Like, we need to really just turn away from the world, trust him, and follow him. Amen. So I'm going to have us jump back to Matthew 13 and let's go 47. The full net. <laughs> Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. Oh, sorry, sever. Sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. So this is super important too, like just knowing with us being fishermen, you know, like all the people that we talk to, we catch them, we reel them in, but ultimately it's going to be the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. that knows. And through it all, we will meet good, we will meet bad, whatever that means, you know, people that are fruitful or people that will not be fruitful. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go, I'm going to finish off back in Luke. All right, um, let's go Luke 12. Luke 13. Luke 13? Yep. And. Oops, I'm in John. That makes more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Go back to 12. And we'll go 12 and 42. So, and the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that my servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the uh, men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunk, so kind of sliding back into perdition, the Lord of that servant will come in in a, in a day when he looketh not for him, and at that hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him as portion with the unbelievers. 
Well, this is kind of too like what Christina was talking about. Like every single day, you know, like we got to understand that it's new every single day, you know, and we got to search it again. Like we, you know, I mean, almost never searched it before, you know, just do it again. All right. And then jump down to 49. I am come to send the fire on the earth. And what will I, if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth, I tell ye nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. But, um, yeah, that's right. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, and that's, it's true that that's what's really going to take place. This thing is going to be spirit to spirit. That's right. That's what's going to really count in the end. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, so, again, sorry to hold everyone. Um, we're going to take Lord's Supper now real quick. So um, I just want to read a couple of our scriptures, you know, like to set us up for this, because I believe this is valid. I know a lot of places take this for joke, but the fact of the matter is this is no laughing matter. This is so serious. We're going to find out how serious. So this is um, 1 Corinthians 11 and 17, and it says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. Uh, The first of all, I mean, for first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, uh, among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating every one taketh before other uh, his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So Paul's making clear there were some people that came just to be able to have some bread and some wine. Okay, now if that's the reason why we do anything, it is not a good thing. Okay, he's saying to go somewhere else. 23. Uh, for I have received of the Lord that that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take this, um, don't eat yet, <laughs> this is my broken body, which this is my body which is broken for you, uh, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new covenant, or the new testament of my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let let a man examine himself, And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. 
For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would uh, judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So you see, once again, he's chastening us. Wherefore, my brethren, when we come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So I want to explain this for anyone who may not have heard or understood what this is about. This is a very, very serious thing. If we were to take of the Lord's Supper, then it is just as if we were sitting at that table with Jesus under his covenant and, you know, with him. So if we are disciples of Christ and we call ourselves ministers or the body of Christ, then we have to examine ourselves and see if we be worthy to do what we're doing. Now, I want to take this time for everybody to examine themselves. We'll have like a minute or two of silence. But we need to um, check this with the Lord and see if we are worthy. Okay, because if we're not, I wouldn't con convince anyone to take it just for the sake of taking it. But we want to be in good standing with the Lord. If there's sin or anything in our lives that we need to be forgiven of, we need to ask now. So that way we can have a clear conscience before the Lord. Okay, so we'll just take that minute or two right now. So, uh, 
This is Luke 22 and 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So we may all eat. Likewise also, the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on this table, so we may drink. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So from here... We can go out in prayer and um, any volunteers tonight? I'll pray. James got it. Oh, you got it. James got it. She already spoke today. She <laughs> Thank you. In Jesus' name, the Son of the Living God. In the mighty name of the Son of God, Yeshua HaMessiah, we pray. Thank you, Most Holy Heavenly Father, for bringing us all to this day. For no day is promised to us, O Lord God. Even as it is written, our life is, is even as vapors, Most Holy Heavenly Father. As, we spent, as thou hast given us this day, this time, we pray, Most Holy One, may thy wisdom and thy strength come upon us that we may enter those who are in the way and those who approach in the way, most holy one. Bless our minds, bless our ears, bless our hearts, bless our um, bless our ears that we hear thee, bless our eyes that we hear that we see thee, most holy one. I pray also, O Son of the Living God, that that thou engrave our heart in thy word, that it be engrafted together, most holy one that it be stuck and connected our hearts with thy word that we have a relationship with you for even as it is written in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh for thou art the word most holy one and we pray that we have it in us O Lord God this day that we um, have an understanding and thy knowledge and thy wisdom be with us that it be taken care of well most holy one for in Jesus name we pray our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Amen.